opinions voiced in Investing Simplified with Bo Caldwell are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial or tax advisor prior to investing. Investors cannot invest directly in indexes. The performance of any index is not indicative of the performance of any investment and does not take into account the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. Guests on Investing Simplified are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Price Financial Group Wealth Management We do investing simplified Welcome to Investing Simplified. This is Matt May, and I'm joined here with my partner, Matt Sudall. Thank you very much for listening in the Portland metro area. We certainly appreciate the attention you pay to us. And just so you know, you can check us out online, pricefg.com, or check us out on our podcasts, which are available through Apple and the Android podcast platforms. Matt, you know, we've had some interesting activity here to date. And recently, the S&P 500 hit a massive milestone, 4,000 points. What do you think about it? Well, um, I think that uh, the recovery is definitely underway uh, from the bottoms. um, And I think everybody in the back of their minds knew that at some point we'll be having this discussion where markets hit an all-time high because, you know, the economy continues to expand. So the bigger question is what's causing it to get higher, uh, you know, with, with... most of the world still being pretty well like locked up inside the homes. Um, right, right. You know, I think uh, I thought I heard the statistics that about a quarter of the U.S. has been vaccinated. That might be completely wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what I heard the other day on the news. Yeah, I know that there's so, millions and millions going out. I yeah. know um, Johnson Johnson had a little bit of a issue with 15 million vaccines doses being uh, rendered no good. Spoiled. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think as, as as that's happening, you know, if we have one fourth of the population going out, and I think the goal is still to get as many people, if not everyone that wants one by the summer vaccinated, um, I think that a lot of the recovery plays and such are, are, are really um, getting steamed up and, and moving finally. I think so. And then in addition to that, March had a just massive jobs number. I think the expectation for March was creating about 675,000 jobs. And we actually created about $917,000 jobs yes. uh, in March, according yeah. to the, the most recent numbers yeah, and, and they always kind of adjust those yeah. but still that's a massive beat on the jobs creation number. yeah i think unemployment's down to closer to six percent now so you know if you look at the chart of the unemployment um it had a very sharp gr- rise and then a very sharp decline thankfully so um it's been dropping uh we're still not to the levels we were pre-pandemic but we're getting there and i think you know if you're driving around town looking um you can start slowly seeing those you know um jobs wanted or you know uh, workers wanted to post more and i think if you're going on like linkedin or anywhere else i think posts of those are starting to ramp up a little bit too which is nice to see yeah that those jobs created though that that is real data meaning the economic recovery recovery is real 
You know, yeah. companies won't necessarily hire more people if they don't see a recovery in the future. So that definitely is a telltale sign that things are improving. And, you know, I read from the Fed that they're expecting full unemployment back to pre-pandemic levels of about three and a half percent unemployment. That's still historically very, very low. So that's, I mean, that's a great target to shoot for, by the way, three and a half percent unemployment. Yeah, that's true. But they're saying somewhere in that 2022 year, we should be pretty close to that three and a half percent unemployment level, wow. which I think would be fantastic. Well, I mean, everyone I think could agree that um, having lower unemployment is better, you know, having your neighbors working, everybody participating and uh, doing well. Mm-hmm. Um is a good thing. I'll tell you that uh, not the entire world's participating, I don't think, because we were just talking uh, offline here earlier that not all parts of the world is uh, you know, as robust and coming back as strongly. So certain countries are still locked up or going back into lockdown, right, and their right. cases are rising. They're not having quite as much success with vaccinating people. So if you look the at the variant it, strains yeah, kind of running rampant globally, right? Um, I know that the, so the S&P 500 represents 500 largest U.S. companies. Um, so it'd be a matter of looking at what has the rest of the world done. Right. And it, it is still an unknown. We don't know how long the vaccines will last. We That's don't true. know how long immunity will last if you even get it. Mm-hmm. If you have COVID or have recovered from COVID, we don't know if those antibodies will protect you for six months, six years, the rest of your life. I mean, that's the, the whole thing about this pandemic is we don't we won't know the answers until well after this thing is run its course for the large part. Yeah, we don't know. Uh, and, and, and there's still going to be questions throughout the year. Uh, but I think a, a lot of our listeners and, and, and clients have asked, you know, hey, as we're approaching all-time highs or hitting all-time highs, you know, we're going to uh, continuously grow. But then what does an everyday investor do? Do they stay in what they're at? Do they rebalance? You know, at what point do they make any shifts? And the big answer, it depends. <laughs> it depends. No way. <laughs> I, I hate to be so vague and obtuse, but you definitely want to look at your own situation to make sure that you're taking the right approach for your personal situation. Because, you know, as many listeners as we have out there, that's about as many plans and strategies as we would recommend. Right. It's tailored to you, the individual. So I, I, I don't want to say... I don't, I don't want to give blanket advice for everyone no, except for the fact that you want to know your targets, know what you're shooting for mm-hmm. by creating that defined plan. And that will tell you, hey, if it's time to make some changes with the portfolio, here's why. We set an objective, a risk target, like we talked about last week. We set that target. And now because of the growth in the markets, that target has uh, our, our risk number has climbed. Is it time for us to rebalance? I, I think, you know, you maybe look at five to 10% outside of your normal risk target. Okay. Like, let's say your risk level was a, a 50 on a mm-hmm. scale of one to 99. Sure. And it went up to 55. Okay. That's a that's a 10% increase. Yeah. So is 55 now too warm for you it it again it, going back it depends it depends but, yeah you know is 55 a little bit warmer than the target sure sure you know, if our number truly is 50 and it jumped to 55 that might be a good time that's to, interesting way of putting to, it because yes five is would be 10 percent of your of that and i think it doesn't sound like a yeah, whole lot it doesn't. but 
But also we're talking about upside. So I think that this is where, um, you know, people can get caught up with, you know, the market's going up, I'm making some money, great. Um, and they forget to rebalance when it's mm -hmm. out of the balance in the right direction and going up. Right. You no, know, because we talk about lots of times about, hey, markets melting down and there's... We always that, talk about the, the yeah, doomsday. The, the doomsdays that could happen it, it, or have happened. Those are the thoughts and questions on yeah. most people's minds. Like, hey, what what is my risk here? What will it do yeah. if it goes bad? You know, we, we always kind of lean towards defending the uh, the strategy of investing when the market inevitably turns down. Yeah. So we, well, we, we talk about that a lot, but yeah. we don't talk about the upside right. as much. Right. Yeah. That's well, a good point. That's partially because the year's been pretty rocky, right? We've had uh, upside and then we've had some pullbacks. You right. Know, uh, Particularly uh, you know. the tech stuff, which yeah, we, we just you know, kind of talked about that in prior episodes about how into nosebleed territory those companies got. And it seemed to be that they were pretty richly valued, meaning expensive. And then if we were going to see a recovery that we would likely see that rotation or selling out of the ones that had done well from the COVID trade, the technology, et cetera, the, the work from home trade uh, into those recovery stocks like cyclicals, financials, energy. I mean, if you look at financials, energy, the cyclicals, they're just smashing it this year. But you know what I was really shocked by this year is how quick that happened. It just seemed to be like the market flipped a switch sometime in February and said, hey, we're ditching the nosebleed tech stocks and we're going into the cyclicals. It took like a month and it it just seems like now everything has been equalized. And what I it's kind of a gut feeling. So this is you know where gut feeling and instinct comes into play. I really think that the market has tilted more towards looking at fundamentals again. Okay. I think that fundamental I think yeah. Your favorite. Cuz I mean, let's face it. Over the last 12 15 months since uh the before the pandemic was really when it was on its way in, then when it hit us and every day yeah. since fundamentals have been just kind of tossed true. to the wind. I remember speaking with you about, you know, whether it be individual companies or, you know, our whole uh, market nexus, you said, well, I mean, I guess it's fine, except look at this and look at that. You know, look at the PE ratio. It's X, Y, Z, and it's compared to this. It's, you know, it's, so you, you it's couldn't It's super make, expensive, yeah. but I mean, it's, you know, they call it to the moon. I but mean, it kept, the thing, kept, that's kept why going. they call it. It's, it's got rocket fuel. Yeah, it just, right. you know, uh, sometimes I don't want to make a poor SpaceX joke because there's a lot of successes happening with SpaceX, but, you know, we did see some what looked to be spatterings of a SpaceX launch, you know, kind of hurtling through the cosmos recently. But I mean, those those things happen. But seriously, at that particular time, when we were talking about those nosebleed stocks that were just rocketing higher and higher and higher, I'm like, when is that music going to stop? Right. And it just seemed like it reversed course on a dime. And it got down. You saw Tesla drop way down. You saw some others just come. Yeah, the whole uh, NASDAQ, right? The whole technology Yeah, NASDAQ sector. hit correction territory, which is a drop of 10% from its previous high. So that was, I'm, I'm shocked that it took so long to happen. And then mm -hmm. I'm shocked at how quickly it happened. And now it just seems to be that like, now it looks to be more like a level playing field between tech being a decent long-term opportunity based on future expected growth. Okay. And the recovery names that are based on the recovery from the pandemic. So yeah, it, it just seems more like a level. I mean, there's still pockets of inequity mm -hmm. where inequity, meaning 
where the market is pricing something higher or lower than it really should be based on fundamentals. Yeah, those, I, uh, I still think that those, uh, those pockets of opportunities or pitfalls exist, but not nearly as, to the large degree as it were. that it was like a, a five, six weeks ago. Right, and the opportunity spaces aren't always um, really quick to come to, you know, to flourish. You know, I, I know we've talked about, hey, you know, let's say small cap value was one that you've talked about being an opportunity for a while, and it took a while before it started, you know, now that thing, now, now it it rocketed. It so did. It just no, took a now lot. does it. So it's like well, that idea like worked. Now what? Work, it, it, yeah. it it really does feel like okay, th- that worked or that didn't work as expected. Now what? So I really think going forward that uh, Q2 is going to be you know April May June. That's going to be comparative to last year, just an absolute mind blowing number. Yeah, well, because we were, you know, going into lockdown and things were shutting down. But yeah, the global economy stopped on a dime. So the year over year comparisons, which stock analysts and things like to look at from a fundamental perspective, they're 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 going to be great, probably triple digits better, higher than 100 percent. Yeah, in some so, areas, yeah. So if you're listening to us, and you know this may sound like something you wanted to maybe explore, where you wanted to have a, one of us sit down with you and take a look at your portfolio, so we can actually see, hey, should you be rebalancing? Are you well positioned for the future? Did um, things heat up a little too hot yeah, at the moment? Perhaps you know you can give us a call here at the office and uh, set up an appointment. Our phone number is five zero three two five three three thousand. And we'd be happy to sit down with you and, and just take some time to get to know you and understand your situation and then get into more more details. I think that's usually the best recipe instead of, you know, we can't, we can't bl- make any blanket recommendations because there's thousands of people listening and well, hopefully tens of thousands of people right. listening uh, to us. And, and so we can't really go into the, we just talk about, you know, what to do, you know, stay diversified. And, and if you feel like you've come to a point where maybe, you know, your accounts are hitting all time highs too, you know, and, and it's like making you uncomfortable. I've had a few of those conversations within the last couple of weeks where we've had people come in and they're like, well, the markets just keeps going. I, I feel uncomfortable with how high it's getting again. You know, if that's been, you know, something on your mind, I, I think it's it's worth the time to sit down with us and, and just chat about your specific options because it may or may not matter to you as much whether, you know, the S&P is hit at 4,000. Maybe maybe you're not actually investing in that. So at, w- at which point it would be irrelevant, you know? So. Yep. So you can also text REVIEW to 484848. Of course, if you're not driving. Be safe out there, yeah. but if yeah, you're but, if you get to your destination, if you're driving, text yeah, review to four eight four eight four eight. We'll get a notification that we need to give you a shout and set up an appointment. But we'd love to chat, just share some ideas more tailored to you and your situation. Yeah, and so uh, with that, we'll uh, we'll take a quick break, and we'll be back with more investing simplified. Leaving an employer can be stressful and overwhelming. But once the dust settles and you're at a new job or perhaps retired, it is important to consider your options for that retirement plan left behind. If this situation applies and you would like to hear more about options available for 401k, 403b, or other retirement account rollovers, please give our office a call at 503-253-3000 to schedule a complimentary consultation with someone on the team to go over your specific and individual situation. We will take the time to get to know you, your goals, and let you know what the best course of action is for you and your family. We do investing simplified. 
You're listening to Investing Simplified. Now, back to our host, Matt May. Welcome back to Investing Simplified. This is Matt May, and I'm joined with Matt Sudall, my partner. If you have any questions for us, you can email us at askbo at pricefg.com. So that's askbo, B-O, at pricefg.com. Matt, we are talking a little bit in the break about some things related to the spring. Yeah, because it's in the air. I think, you know, the weather's getting nice, so we've had a few a few sunny days where, you know, I, I was uh, a couple of nice weekends, finally, where you can uh, go outside and not get, uh, you know, frozen or rained on or otherwise. Right. Flowers so, are blooming on yeah. the trees. That's always my so favorite spring part spring cleaning of is on the mind, although nobody likes to clean. But when, when we talk about spring cleaning and the financial, you know, concepts, um, We've come up with uh, like top five things to consider right around this time, and I know you have a list. So if you want to take us take us through it, we can we can talk about it. Yeah. So I think you know this list is really good to do on a yearly or maybe every other year, depending on the topic. But the yeah, first some thing of those things I think on there are definitely annual or even more frequent, but some are you know less frequent for sure. So these are good habits to get into. Absolutely. The first one would be checking your beneficiaries. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, checking beneficiaries, you just never know what what happens if you had some circumstance, a, a passing of a loved one that you had named as a beneficiary yeah. or divorce or just I don't I'm not friends with them anymore. What whatever the could case be. may be. Yeah, or or even, hey, let's look at the positive side. There's a new addition to the family. Yeah, maybe it's a new addition to the family. Maybe it's uh it's marriage, maybe it's uh a child that you started liking again, you know, it could be one of those. <laughs> I know I ran into this uh, just within the last couple of weeks where, you know, unfortunately I had a client pass and um, one of the bank accounts that that they were, uh, that they had didn't have a beneficiary. Now, a lot of people will say, well, oh, why didn't the bank, you know, tell me to do it? And what I'll say is typically they'll, you know, obviously give you the option or, you know, when they're opening the accounts, they'll go through it, but they don't normally... Um, bring the paperwork up and say, hey, let's get, let's get this set up. And that's just... It's not something that stops yeah. the train. Like it doesn't. You, it's, so, it's an added item, but yeah. it doesn't stop the train yeah. from going forward. Versus with like retirement accounts, it's almost, it's something that usually does come up um, on retirement accounts. I feel like in the retirement space, it's it's like a uh, a muscle that's been developed. You always ask for that, and you always have the beneficiary form. With but bank, even then, you can open the accounts without, without naming it. a ban- yeah. beneficiary. So any account can be open without one. So it's it's important to check on uh, on bank accounts. It would typically say beneficiary, or, or it'll say uh, POD, which is payable on death. Um, and so it's important to have those. I think that that's definitely a good spring cleaning item. And also, you you're probably solid, or hopefully are solid on the primary beneficiary, but it's oh, also yes. a good idea to name contingent beneficiaries yeah. just in case something bad happens to the both of you. If it's you know typically husband and wife or sp- you know spouse partners, if you're in a you know bad accident that ends in the worst, you want to make sure that there's somebody named after you yeah. so that's it just what that does when you have a named beneficiary it, with a few simple steps it just makes the money pass directly to those named beneficiaries as opposed to you know legal processes like perhaps a probate so it just speeds up the process and it's much easier on the loved ones usually yeah and we had taylor in uh a few weeks ago and and talking a little bit more detail on 
what beneficiaries make sense, what don't. We'll probably see if we can get her back in the studio here to talk about um, some of the other variations because there's so many different things you could do with beneficiaries. Number two item, the contributions to your IRAs or Roths for 2020. So the tax filing deadline got extended. I believe it's May 17th now. Yeah, it's right after my birthday. So everybody now can remember my birthday very, very clearly because I... Right Everybody's there. favorite tax season tax and season. Matt Sudol's birthday. Well, Excellent. except it normally doesn't. You know, but yeah, normally, yeah, here. Normally, it's a month after my birthday. Or, uh, my birthday is one month after tax filing, but after tax refunds yeah. are back, so well, you, there you, you go. Can be sending gifts you over, gifts my way. But no, it's 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 important to note that it has been extended. IRS didn't push it out all the way. I think last year it got pushed to like June or July. This year, just May, but gives you a little bit more of a runway, but. Uh, IRA contributions are important. And the other thing that we were kind of talking about is, you know, a lot of times uh, you get pay raises throughout throughout the year. And and so then you don't always want to go spend them. So if you're making any adjustments to your contributions into like 401ks, 403bs, it's a good time. I mean, anytime is a good time to review those, but maybe uh, move up a percent if you've gotten a raise or, you know, maybe you need to, you know, pull back and, and save less, but typically, you know, encourage saving more. I, I had a conversation just uh, last week with a younger family that was asking me, oh, are we saving too much? And really, uh, if you're younger and if you're accumulating in most really any stage in life, I don't think you can always ever save too much. Um, I mean, worst case scenario, and again, this is worst case, you'll have too much money in retirement, but I think that's a pretty good problem to have. Well, probably, you know, try, try not to keep it too dark, but what if you like saved so much at the sacrifice of enjoying life yeah. now, and then, you know, you, you get to the end of retirement or you're the end of your working life, yeah. and then you don't get to enjoy retirement because well, it's, yeah. You know, I would say that, bad reason. you know, we talk about an average, average person probably doesn't save enough. So that average person maybe in, 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 in consider um, saving more. If you're already maxing out all your retirement accounts, you know, maybe consider spending some of the money. <laughs> It's it's easy for us in these chairs to say, on average, us as savers across the board here in the U.S., have, mm-hmm. we are far behind as a whole. Yeah. You know, there are 40% of folks out there that don't have a penny saved for retirement. So that's where we're coming from. There are the, yeah. the few instances where it's like, hey, Matt, I'm, uh, I've got my 401k maxed out. I've got my yeah, IRAs exactly. maxed out. I, I'm contributing every square, you know, every spare penny into my you know, taxable account. Yeah. I got my emergency fund. It's like, I haven't been on a vacation in four years. Uh, you know, it's got to be a balance. Maybe yeah, a little bit on, in that, in that yeah. one instance, you might want to pull it back a little bit, but yeah, but maybe, know. maybe you've worked at an employer for a while and you haven't considered even starting and maybe this will prompt you to go and Hey, at least contribute to the match or whatever amount that you're, uh, you're okay with. So, right. So on that one, just uh, clarify contributions to IRAs and Roths for 2020, you still have till May 17th to contribute for last year's IRA and Roth contributions. And then just make sure that for 2021, your future contributions to your 401k are dialed in according to what you need it to do. Yes, we would. It. I mean, I'll take a moment, step aside. This isn't necessarily spring cleaning. This is like just common sense. The first thing we recommend to our clients, number one, hey, do you have a 401k match? Whatever it is, that should be your first dollar for savings. If it's 2%, do 2%. If it's 3%, do 3, 4, 5, 6. If it's I got to put in 6% to get my max of 4%, then we would recommend that you do 6% to get your 4% match because that's free money. 
yeah, it's good to it's good to review that. I yep. mean, call it spring cleaning or not. At any time, we could we could we could talk about this, but it's yep. just something that should be on the radar. Just now. staple number three. Mm-hmm. Check your RMDs for 2021. Mm-hmm. So last year, 2020, we did not have RMDs. The IRS says we didn't need to take one for last year. This year, it looks like we do. So check on all the accounts that you might have an RMD for, and make sure that you know that amount and you know when it's coming out. Because you have until the end of the calendar year to have those monies removed from those accounts subject to RMDs. Otherwise, it's a 50% penalty, 5-0. Yeah, and the, the, the penalty is hefty. And so if you're uh, above 72, uh, that's the new age. That's the new age, that's yep. the new age that, that, that it was set up uh, recently. Um, you want to take a look at it. Now, your custodian, whoever's holding your uh, retirement accounts, uh, should be able to help you calculate that. Um, but they will no, need to know... Um, what a balance you had within all other accounts. And uh, ideally, you know, we do this for clients all the time. One of our um, staff is dedicated to that pretty much where we try to make sure that all of those are, are done. So your financial advisor or financial professional you're working with should be giving you a call this year at some point. But, you know, now is as good of time as any to consider when to take it. You know, do I schedule out over a year? Or do I take multiple distributions or do I just do a lump sum and get it out of the way? Yeah, I would say it's gotten a little bit trickier because the rules changed. You mentioned it, that the RMD age changed from 70 and a half to 72. Mm -hmm. But if you were already 70 and a half subject to those RMDs, and then they pushed it out to 72, it doesn't, there might be a possibility where you say, oh, well, I'm 71 now, the rule is 72. Well, if you were already subject to RMDs, you're grandfathered in to have to take RMDs. And there's also required minimum distributions, which is what RMD stands for, that are uh, on beneficiary accounts. Yeah, glad you brought that up because I've, I've ran into a few of those uh, recently and people don't always realize how, that those need to be done because maybe, you know, unfortunately lost uh, someone, um, but you're maybe 50 years old. And you're like, well, I'm not old enough to take them. Mm-hmm. But the IRS needs you to uh, take money out of those so that way they can distribute them over a certain period of time. It could be five years, it could be 10 years. It could be the lifetime of the person that passed. You know, we want to consult with your tax professional or your financial advisor for specifics. But you want to make sure you're addressing that. A lot of people will forget and like, well, I don't have to worry about it. Well, you do. And, and the, you know, the, the penalty is the same if you don't uh, uh, pull money out of there, which is 50%, which is really, really high. Five zero. Yeah, five zero. And, and also yeah. the rules changed on that. It used to be where you could stretch the RMDs right. over the over your lifetime, your life expectancy. But now, as of the, the recent changes, you have to you don't have to take any RMDs until the end of the 10th year. Yeah, it depends on who the beneficiaries are, right? That's going to be key. A spouse still can do it over their lifetime, but if you're uh, if you've been the designated beneficiary, you've got ten years. Entities yeah, some interesting have shorter time. There. So this is why you want to make sure that your specific situation is reviewed with a tax professional or financial advisor to see what kind of an account that it was, how old the person a past was, what type of a beneficiary you were. So there's multiple steps to figuring it out, but has changed from what it was in the past. So it's definitely good to do a spring cleaning review of that. I agree. And a couple of side notes. So uh, regarding what you can do with those RMDs, it has become more popular for people to say, hey, I don't need this income this year, but I have to take it. What if I donate it to charity? You can donate your RMDs to charity and it doesn't count as taxable income to you, which I think is nice. If you've got options, yeah, you can also... uh, 
buy uh, buy me a present for I'm just <laughs> kidding for my birthday. Coming he is up. totally joking. Joking? No, definitely not. But um, you, what's your what's the next one on the list? I oh, think? actually, uh, with some? the with the RMDs, yeah. you know, I, it was it just reminded me of a story that of. <laughs> Uh, we were helping a client. She had come to us and said, "Hey, with my prior advisor, uh, you know, I, I have this beneficiary I, uh, beneficiary IRA." And I'm like, "Okay, what do you typically do with the required minimum distributions?" And she kind of blinks at me a few times, confused, and like, "What do you, what what is that?" Yeah, I'm like, "Oh, well, it's the required amount that you have to take out of this account." Or the IRS levies the largest penalty on its books, 50%. Right. And she's like, I have not done that. And I inherited this account in 2017. So uh, at that point, it becomes a bit of a, a homework assignment for the client. What we've recommended and what has been 100% successful to my knowledge so far is come clean to the IRS. I helped her with uh, you know, formulating a letter to the IRS that says, Hi, IRS, dear IRS, to whom it may concern, I, un, uh, I unknowingly had required minimum distributions on this account for 20, 2018 and 2019, which I didn't take. I have since taken those amounts out, plus I have taken the, the, the most recent RMD out. I'm fully caught up on those tax years, and I'm asking for forgiveness or you know, to, to wipe the slate clean Just now that I found it and I fixed it myself. And every time that I that we've helped a client do that, we've had the knock IRS, on wood. Yeah, knock on wood uh, the IRS has come back and said, "Hey, uh, we are choosing not to levy that penalty against you." You did usually probably have a pretty good uh, tax accountant involved too, and in figuring out all the numbers too, which is which is which is a plus. Making sure mm-hmm. you have the right professionals help, right? So yeah. if you are in a situation where one of these things apply to you, you know, give us a call here at the office. We can sit down with you and just go into. Uh, more uh, more detail as to how we can help maybe maybe you've forgotten to take your required distributions maybe they were too little um so yeah if you have a question just send us an email askbo at pricefg.com so askbo b-o at pricefg.com so rounding out the list the nope. fourth little line item look out for late tax documents i got hit with this one myself i was i had thought i had everything prepared you know, we, we typically would Ready recommend don't file until the middle of March uh, at the earliest because, you know, sometimes those tax documents take a while. It's not like mm-hmm. your W-2s from work that have to come up, come to you by end of January. Tax documents for securities accounts, the, the deadlines are much later. And they're subject to the reporting of the investments inside those accounts so it's not necessarily the institution though we can toss our frustration their way say oh they didn't get me my 1099 it's really the investments inside your account that are reporting to the institution and the institution can't report them to you until they have everything from uh, all the tax information from the reporting investments so they can uh, only go as fast as the company's reporting right so you know i got one at, at march 26th oh wow so luckily I hadn't I th- filed yet. I think a lot of people are hitting the procrastination button since the IRS <laughs> allowed an extra month extension. And sure. so I know I personally was ready to file and now I'm kind of kicking the can down the road, but I will try to do it within the next couple of weeks myself. Line item number four for you, sir. And then the last one, uh, do take a look at your wills and trusts. If you haven't reviewed those in a couple of years, pull those out, dust the you know, knock the dust off of those, just review and make sure that they're still current and 
to your wishes. Mm -hmm. I would also look at power of attorneys if you don't have one and advanced health directives. Power of attorneys are really key on those, uh, particularly in our world, in the securities world. We absolutely do love to have power of attorneys just in case. I have an instance where I got an email over the weekend. Hey, Matt, my, my mom has run into an unfortunate situation. She had a bad health accident. And now she's in the hospital. We expect when she comes out, she's going to be in a facility. How do we access her funds? And then it's going uh, through somebody I've never met trusting. You know, we we have to go through the trust and verification process to make sure that that person and the... uh, has our client has a power of attorney to allow their family members to just transact on their behalf. Maybe it's uh, selling or buying investments or distributing funds for use and with, without a POA power of attorney, then we have to get permission from the client. And if that's difficult because of a health situation, then uh, that's just a, a, not a great situation. We want to be ahead of that curve. We want to be proactive here. Well, you want to be uh, prepared for you know the worst case scenario. So if if you have a power of attorney you've put that you've put together, um, you know I would you know if you're in great health and you don't think it'll be needed, I mean it doesn't hurt to first of all communicate that to your financial professional saying hey my daughter or my son or my cousin or whoever is going to be a person that's probably going to be uh, you know reaching out to you if something happens and here's a copy of my power of attorney mm-hmm. they don't have to be necessarily added to the account right away if you don't want that to happen although uh, you you know it's probably recommended if you trust them enough to put them in your documents I would I would hope that you trust them enough to be placed on the account and that doesn't mean that you lose control because if you add a power of attorney so if I have a sole account and then I had Matt as a power of attorney, I can still act, uh, you know, within whatever I was able to do because it's still my account. But that also means that I can, you know, if I, let's say, as you say, go to a hospital and I need money, well, then Matt can call my, my financial advisor and because he's a power of attorney in my account, they can execute trades or execute whatever withdrawal needed to take care of uh, my needs. So it's important to review those. That's key to at the beginning you said, mm-hmm. wills, trusts, power of attorneys, because Life changes, circumstances changes. Now, you know, wills are important because, you know, those are your ultimate wishes. And so um, if you have, we have we haven't addressed them in a while, it'd probably be a good idea to, again, bring them out of the back side of the closet, dust them off. Maybe Mom, maybe- if you're listening, I would like the grandfather clock above my brother's. <laughs> that's just one thing that's the only thing i'm asking for really the yeah. grandfather clock so, i love no, the now you just got to send her make sure she goes to uh, pod, our podcast and listens to the show available on apple and android by the way we thank are. you for that, that we got a good plug subliminal plug since we're, we're speaking of plugs we also should uh, encourage everyone to visit our facebook website uh, we have a facebook page we've got a linkedin page uh, we try to post there pretty frequently typically what you'll see on there are articles uh, about um, you know money that we we feel are important people check out but we've also had a couple of webinars that we were able to host um, so people can subscribe to those and then uh, it's a free webinar and there's some uh, information you can download uh, at no cost too so but thank you for checking us out we're gonna head to a commercial break here in just a moment but uh, thanks again for listening we'll be back shortly with more investing simplified When planning for income and retirement, there's a lot to consider between managing the budget that fits the family, trying to figure out from where to draw your income, or balancing the tax ramifications of withdrawals. Moving into retirement can be overwhelming. 
At Price Financial Group, we help clients work to create a sustainable retirement roadmap, addressing these concerns and more, and helping folks feel confident in their future retirement income, right when they need it most. If you'd like a financial plan tailored just for you, please don't hesitate and call our office today at 503-253-3000 or text REVIEW to 484848 to set up your complimentary consultation. Price Financial Group offers investment advisory services through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. We do investing simplified. You're listening to Investing Simplified. Now, back to our host, Matt May. Welcome back to Investing Simplified. You have Matt May here with my partner, Matt Sudall. Bo is not joining us for today. Pretty tied up at the moment, but thank you so much for listening. And by the way, if you have any questions for us, you can always send an email over to askbo at pricefg.com. So askbo, B-O, at pricefg.com. We welcome questions. Yeah, love to answer, love to help. And that's actually uh, what we wanted to kind of talk about in the uh, last segment here today is we've had a few questions come through and we appreciate them very much. So thank you for sending them in. And uh, we wanted to take a moment and answer them. So we have a, a couple we'll, we'll address right now. So uh, the first question that came in and we've talked about it before, but it's always a good um, reminder of this. So we had a question, um, somebody selling a primary residence and, and trying to figure out will they or will they not pay any capital gains tax on uh, on the sale. So um, where what comes into play is, uh, I believe it's section 121 of the tax code. And the, that's a fancy way of saying that, that, that necessarily, not necessarily will you be ta- paying taxes. Um, each uh, individual can uh, exclude up to a quarter of a million dollars, $250,000 on the primary residence sale of a gain. So if let's say, Matt, you bought a house for um, $300,000, and you had it for let's say you you lived in it that's that's key you've got to live in it uh for the last for two out of the last five years and so you've lived in it let's say 10 years it's worth let's say six hundred thousand dollars now how much did i buy it for 300 wow i did well yeah you did well good investment so and then uh so how much taxes will you pay well so we take that three hundred thousand dollar base and then we basically add the two hundred fifty thousand to it and you come up with 550000 Now, that's not the full story because you might have also done any home improvement. So let's say you bought that place for 300000 and then you build a swimming pool on the roof, and that was a $50,000 addition that you know increased the value of the house. you got to add structural imp- improvements to put a, rule on your, uh, yeah. a pool on your roof. So <laughs> if you have, a, uh, you have one of those, then, well, that fifty gets added on top of that five fifty we just came up with, which makes you a break-even, meaning you're not paying taxes on it. So, okay. Um, a lot of people, um, most of the time, this question comes up for someone that, you know, maybe bought their first house and it's been 30, 40 years ago. Uh, and so it's it's important to keep your receipts. This is one of the reasons why. And uh, keep proof of any improvements you've made because you can add them back. Um, and also, if you're married, that same 250000 um happens for your spouse. And so, you know, if you, like you and your, your spouse would have um, the same house, well, you actually have a half a million dollars you can add that to that 300000 Gotcha. So a lot of times you can... Do you have to buy it together or could you become married after purchase? And do, would you have to redeed the property? It's a good question. And without that's getting, getting into the to, weeds. <laughs> it's getting a little bit in the weeds. And so we obviously, tax people. talk to a, a tax professional, but typically what will happen is you'll... 
you'll be able to, um, you know, establish residency for the for the spouse that you, you know, once you've married, and and then if they're there for a certain period of time, you know, two out of five years, and then depending on how you own the property and title, that also comes into place. But possibly, okay, I'll leave it in. It depends. It depends. You know? That's what he just said. Um, Talk to the tax. So people, if you have that specific sure. situation, uh, we can try to help you and nudge you in the right direction. Give us a call here at the office, um, or you know, engage with the tax professional. Uh, we'll lean on tax professionals with some some of the more in-depth and detailed things but we do have support that uh, our firm provides that we don't necessarily need to engage with a third-party advice you know uh, accountant or anything else like that so that is a good resource we you know if we have questions that we can't answer and it's certainly uh, not fully qualified to answer tax questions because we're not tax professionals we are knowledgeable but not enough to be uh, considered the reliable expert we can pass those to our partnership we have our partnership yeah, yeah. so it allows us to uh, answer more in-depth questions and then bring them back to 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 you uh so question number two this okay. is one where i think you're gonna enjoy it um and when i say enjoy it i mean that uh, you are um you know you like this stuff so and so do i but my wheelhouse it, it's something you you know you exactly your wheelhouse so uh it's a question about bonds okay so we've seen rates go up and we all talked about what happens to bond prices when rates go up. And you can mm-hmm. you can reiterate that. But are bonds still a safe space? And then part B to this that this person didn't ask, but I'll, I will, is what other alternatives and options would you consider in that space? Are bonds still safe? I would say on a spectrum of risk, they are on certainly on the lower risk side of the spectrum. And there can still be a place for your portfolio for what's uh, what bonds are fixed income they provide reliable income stream for the most part whether that be you know quarterly or annually or semi-annually depends on the bond or if it's a bond fund but bonds in general are subject to interest rate risk that's one of the bigger risks as well as credit risk so if you're sticking to a quality investment, you want to stick to that investment grade bond, which is triple B rated or above. Are they still a good investment or are they still a safe investment? I would differentiate between the two just because it does appear that interest rates bottomed out last year. We talked about that not too many episodes ago, Mm -hmm. that interest rates had bottomed out last year and they've shown a pattern to be on the rise again. I would imagine... It's, it would take a lot for us to get back to the high level of interest rates that we saw in the 80s, but rates have been dropping for the better part of the last 40 years, So, and they finally looked to have bottomed out last year, and they've you know come back up. So in the face of rising interest rates, owning bonds is definitely uh, not the strongest place to, to be. Uh, cash is actually outperforming the U.S. bond aggregate. The bond aggregate was down about three and a half ish percent recently. Yeah. So uh, owning bonds has been a little bit of a headwind in the face of your portfolio. If you're looking for growth, or uh, it, it'll still provide you income, but if you're looking for growth and income, it can be a little bit challenging for for a couple of reasons. From the growth side, obviously, a negative offsets your growth. And from an income side, the interest rates are still really, really historically low. So that that leads us to search for alternatives, like you were saying, kind of the part B to the question. Mm-hmm. Where could you go if bonds aren't the right fit for your portfolio? And again, this is it really depends on what you're trying to do with your portfolio. Right. But this is an area that we spend a lot of time on, like what kind of 
vehicles? What kind of investments could we look at to provide that kind of income stream or that kind of safety, depending on what the portfolio needs? And it is it does tie into the investing simplified method where we choose to uh, typically recommend something like a fixed indexed annuity in place of the fixed income for a portfolio. Mm-hmm. So, you know, of, of course, mentioning the A word is like, oh my gosh, here, here comes the screeching brakes grinding to a halt. But fixed index annuities are quite different than the ones that usually cause heart palpitations for investors right. when you mention the word annuity. Yeah. So th- these are typically... Um, most often no cost to buy and they don't have internal fees inside it. Uh, we can talk about more product knowledge in an, in maybe another episode, but the core principle of this fin- fixed index annuity is principal protection. Okay. Means yeah. no loss in value. Right. So if I'm owning a fixed indexed annuity this year, as opposed to a bond, I'm at worst break even, not negative for the most part. That's true. And comparative to risk, how safe are bonds? Bonds are generally in the mid-20s on a scale of 1 oh, to yeah, 99. Using, using our Riskalyze. Yeah, Riskalyze has them, you know, depending on the type of bond, because bonds aren't just, there's not one size fits all for bonds. You've got U.S. government bonds, which are considered very, very low very risk, safe, yeah. or municipal bonds, which are... Uh, not as safe as government bonds, but still fairly safe. And then corporate right. bonds, and you know, then you get into investment versus non-investment. There's a whole High different. Yield, there's yeah. a whole bunch of types of bonds, for but it. generally we would call it an average, maybe riskalyzed score of 25. Mm-hmm. Just for just for bonds, yeah. And a fixed indexed annuity would come in at like a four. Mm-hmm. And so that's you're just talking about an, taking eighty yeah. percent less risk, and the expect and and you always want to kind of be fair and realistic with the expectations of returns. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's not, not if, if it's, if it's trying to accommodate an option that may be an alternative to a bond of your, you know, the being kind of the safer strategy, mm-hmm. you know, you can't expect it to do, you know, what the market overall is doing. Right. Right. Cause a bond will return, will, will give you income. Hopefully if it's mm-hmm. doing its thing, a bond should pay you interest. Yes, a idea. fixed index annuity might not necessarily pay you interest. So if the goal is income, albeit low income in a low interest rate environment, if the goal is to have relatively safer, lower expected income, bonds will probably be the better choice. If, you know, kind of over a longer period of time, we want to de-risk the portfolio a little bit and hope to get better returns over a seven-year period than what a bond might provide in the face of rising interest rates, then the fixed index annuity might be a better choice. Perhaps. Certainly, if you're, if you're looking at expenses, you know, if you're using a mutual fund for bonds, that's only a, you know, an additional headwind. But if you're buying individual bonds, kind of like individual stocks, right. unless they're in a managed account, you know, if you just own like have a brokerage account with no advisory fee on it, and you mm-hmm. just bought an individual bond, then the the costs cost would be low. cost would be lower zero. It's well, probably a, a cost to buy, but um, maybe not an ongoing cost usually. Yeah, and then I, I think I like the idea of potentially doing more education on the idea or the, as you called it, the tool that's in the tool belt because it only. Again, it, it comes back to the, the fact that we need to um, have more information to make a definite recommendation for you know, a specific person. So these are just ideas that we're talking about. Um, but perhaps it makes sense to have that as portion of your uh, you know, overall world in investing. And it doesn't mean that you put all your money in there or you know, even a really, really large part, but it's just 
an idea that I'm glad you brought up because, you know, as options change, I mean, we, we like last year, you know, the, the bonds did relatively well. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, uh, rates, you know, uh, for example, the 10-year Because treasury, rates drop, yeah, right. Exactly. The treasury is fast approaching, you know, it's, it's on its way to 2%. Which you know at this this time last year you know it was it was much much below lower, one below one so it's just something to consider and um, again just like with the capital gains question if bonds have you been on your mind or security of your portfolio has been on your mind feel free to give us a call here at the office we'll set up a meeting with you uh, you know as Bo says first hour is on us we don't uh, we don't charge anything for that and our number here is five zero three two five three 3000 or you can go to our website which is pricefg.com and on there we actually have a, a good amount of resources available to help you um, answer some questions you have we actually have a weekly commentary that gets posted and a few other things so feel free to check out the website and on there you can also put in your information for us to contact you so we do have one more question okay that i think would be a nice um bow on the show for this week um uh, Pun intended. Because Pun intended. Because <laughs> if he's missing, we kind of need one. <laughs> Got to tie this thing down. Exactly. So, you know, I had a conversation with someone uh, uh, within the last couple of weeks, and the question that they posed to you know, were indirectly posed because this individual was a little conflicted as to what to do, is gotcha. basically figuring out at what point does one uh, want to or make wants to consider maybe, you know, engaging a financial advisor and having somebody actually, you know, not just um you know draft the plan and that's it but actually manage your funds sure and be more involved that was the question yeah there are many levels of involvement when you choose to hire a financial advisor you know you could go anywhere from allowing them to have full discretionary powers over your accounts to place trades as they see fit according to your financial profile which is how much risk do you want to take how long are the funds to be invested etc or as much uh, input together that you're having regular conversations about the securities that you're moving in and out of. Right. So just because you're hiring a professional doesn't mean that you're just like forking over control. Completely hands off. Yeah. I mean, you, you have the ability to do that. That exists, but it is your personal decision about how much or how little you want to be involved. And that's a good point because you doesn't simply doesn't mean all in or all out. There it can be kind of in the middle we have clients that work with us that will have you know assets managed by us but then they want to manage some of their own assets or they may like specific funds that they want to just buy on their own and that's completely okay right would it be completely unconventional of me to say that i actually prefer when a client that i'm working with has that two-way street engagement with me that they you know call me up and say hey matt what do you think about this company? And then it's like something I haven't seen because it's not like I'm able to sit there yeah. and research 27,000 investments out there on any given right. day. I, I don't know it all. I don't see it all. And they have eyes and they have ears and a brain. So they call, call me up with ideas and I dig into it and you know we have a conversation about it. Yeah, I think And I've key. seen a, a lot of clients, a lot of clients bring ideas to the table to help complement the portfolio. We identify where that piece fits in their puzzle Mm -hmm. to make sure that we're not going outside of the parameters for our investing plan Yes, and where it, where it fits. Maybe we have to say, Hey, if we want to put $5,000 in this investment, we have to pull 5,000 from elsewhere. So we don't, you know, tip over the, 
the the Un- wheelbarrow unbalance the portfolio. unbalance the wheelbarrow yeah. of, of funds in there yeah no and you know we we uh, enjoy speaking with clients and if it's a conversation it makes our job a lot easier too right where if if it's simply you know hey do your thing that's okay but if we can get the back and forth it helps um you know makes light bulbs go off in their head but it also helps us so yeah i think you know when i'm sitting in the advisor chair if it's a a client that isn't necessarily fully involved it's like it's like hey matt i trust you i i appreciate the trust but there's some level of knowledge and wherewithal that you should have with your portfolio. I'm not telling you to check it every day yeah. or every quarter. That it's it's nice to know where you're at. But then you know if you if you have to go back and try to recreate all the things that have happened along the way, you're two years, three years down the road, and and you haven't really quite paid attention to what's going on. And then you say, hey. What did we do two years ago? How did we get this? And et cetera, et cetera. It, it does create a lot of homework yeah. for us. So Well, and, and, and I think the last thing I'll add to it uh, is that the bigger the portfolio gets, the bigger the nest that gets, the more you know uncomfortable people get about managing their own assets. Because if you're not a professional dealing with this stuff on a daily basis, you don't have the right tools, the portfolios available to you. You know, constructing that isn't always very easy. And so and that's why employing a, you know, an advisor makes sense too. Yeah, and if a peace of mind. There are definite line items that a financial advisor can use to add value to your overall investment return. So yeah. uh, that's something that we can cover perhaps also in a, a future. We can expand on it. We'd be happy show. to. Yeah, but if. But thank you so much for listening. We absolutely. really do appreciate it. It looks like our time is coming to an end. Thanks for tuning in. Again, we're available by podcast on your Apple and Android platforms. If you have a question or would like a free review, you can check us out at pricefg.com or text review to 484848. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Have a nice weekend. We do investing simplified. The opinions voiced in Investing Simplified with Bo Caldwell are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investors cannot invest directly in indexes. The performance of any index is not indicative of the performance of any investment and does not take into account the effects of inflation and the fees and expenses associated with investing. Guests on Investing Simplified are not affiliated with CWM LLC. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor.
Hello, this is Kevin Stagey, shareholder with Baker & Colson Certified Public Accountants, serving the Portland and Southwest Washington areas for almost 40 years. We are a full-service accounting and consulting firm, offering our services to a wide range of business and individual clients. One of the largest expenses to a household or a business is its tax burden. While off-the-shelf tax products can help file simple returns, they can't know your plans for the future and not only provide insight and planning to help you get there, but actually help you along the way. There are just some things that can't be replaced by experience. Whether you are just beginning your working career or have a well-established business with many employees, rely on the professionals at Baker & Colson to help in an efficient, accurate, and personalized manner. We're located at 2414 Northeast Division in Gresham and can be reached at our website at bakercolson.com or 503-666-5569. That's bakercolson.com. 503-666-5569. And remember, at Baker & Colson, our service is the product our clients remember most. Legal matters are never easy, but they are especially difficult when they involve the most important people and aspects of your life. This is Taylor Cattell, founding partner of KG Law Group. It's important to have an attorney who cares about your unique circumstances and knows how to get the outcome that is best for you. At KG Law Group, we specialize in estate planning and family law, including wills, trusts, powers of attorney, guardianship, and divorce. At KG Law Group, we provide both expertise and compassion as we guide you through the complex legal landscape. We balance knowledge of the law with exemplary client service. Whether you're reacting to a crisis or planning for the future, we are here to help. If you need legal advice, give us a call today and schedule a consultation at 503-878-8948. That's 878-8948 or visit us online at kglawgroup.com. That's kglawgroup.com, serving Oregon and Southwest Washington. KG Law Group, your family, your legacy.